Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com and you're going to get 15% off your next order. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. It's your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Monday edition of the show. We're starting up another week of shows, five episodes a week, downloaded into your phone when you subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you listen to your shows can be Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio.com, you name it. We are available on all platforms five times a week. And then after the show, we head right to Twitter to talk to you, the listeners, about our beloved birds at Lockdown Birds, at DBSELOE, at GC24 underscore football. You will hear from Gino today in segment three. So today what we're doing on Mock Draft Monday, it's another special edition of the show. Last week it was a different Unique version as well. Normally, me and Gino are a team where the Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas combo or the Chip Kelly-Tom Gamble one-two punch, if you will. And um, normally, we do the drafts together, right? We do a seven-round mock draft together and see what we can do for the Eagles 2021 draft class. We've been doing Mock Draft Monday now on the podcast since 2018 that 2017-2018 offseason when we started the show. But last week we did the listener show, so you, the listeners, did our first four picks in rounds one through four. And then today what we're going to do is mock versus mock. So I did my own separate seven-round mock draft in segment two that I'm going to recap for you. And then in segment three, Gino's going to talk about a seven-round mock draft that he did earlier today. And then what we want you to do is decide which class was better. Who did a better job as Howie Roseman, myself or Gino Camilleri? Again, hit us up on Twitter after the show and let us know which draft class you would rather have for the Eagles in 2021. We will post these screenshots of our draft classes as well tomorrow once you guys have a chance to listen and download the podcast. So that's coming up today in segments two and segment three. But before that, I want to get into some news from Albert Breer of the Monday Morning Quarterback Sports Illustrated as well, formerly of NFL Network. He reported that the Eagles felt comfortable moving down from pick six to pick 12 in the first round because they knew or had a strong feeling that the Cincinnati Bengals at pick five, right in front of the Eagles at pick six, were going to take LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase, who was the heavy favorite to be the Eagles pick at six if he was on the board, right? There was talks of Kyle Pitts as well, Patrick Sertan, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, a quarterback as well. But really the, the consensus for the Eagles at six was Jamar Chase. To think that since you would take him so you're comfortable moving down at 12, I think is very reasonable. I thought there was a strong possibility they'd have to trade up in general to get either Chase or Kyle Pitts. Because when you look at it, the Atlanta Falcons could reasonably take either at pick four. In Cincinnati, while they could take Penny Sewell, the tackle from Oregon, to pair up your quarterback, Joe Burrow, with his former number one wide receiver at LSU, two guys that won a national championship together going undefeated to pair up with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, that does make a lot of sense. So for Philly to move down from 6-12, to 12, knowing that, I think is a very reasonable mindset. Because you look at 
teams are not stopping at one or two good wide receivers anymore. Like you could say, yeah, Atlanta has Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley already. And you could say, yeah, Cincinnati, T. Higgins had a great rookie year last year. Tyler Boyd is one of the most reliable inside receivers in football. So both of those teams have two established wide receivers for your quarterbacks, your franchise quarterbacks in Matt Ryan and in Joe Burrow. But again, teams aren't stopping at one or two good weapons anymore. Just look at last year, the Carolina Panthers, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, they don't stop. They bring in Robbie Anderson. All three guys had over a thousand yards from scrimmage. You look at the Dallas Cowboys. They had Michael Gallup already and Amari Cooper in the first round. They take CeeDee Lamb. The Denver Broncos had Cortland Sutton, who looked like he was emerging as a top-tier wide receiver, at least a top-tier young wide receiver. What do they do in the first round? They take Jerry Judy. And what do they do in the second round? They take KJ Hamler. So teams want two, three, four really high-end pass-catching weapons. The Eagles have had that philosophy as well. It just Unlike those teams, it really hasn't worked out for them, right? 2019, they already had Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. Or I should say 2018, and what do they do? They draft Dallas Goddard in the second round. And then the next year, they bring in Deshaun Jackson. And consistently, they draft Miles Sanders in the second round. Teams are trying to surround their quarterbacks with as many weapons as possible. So to think that the Falcons or Bengals and or the Bengals would take Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, I do think is realistic. And then again, you're left with very similar prospects after those two at pick six or 12. Like you can reasonably get the guy you're going to take at six at 12. Somebody like Devontae Smith could be there at 12 or Patrick Sertan or JC Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina, or again, Jalen Waddell or, you know, uh, Rashawn Slater, one of the offensive linemen or one of the pass rushers. It does make sense that if you think Jamar Chase is off the board and you don't want a quarterback, that moving down makes a hell of a lot of sense. I wouldn't risk having Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts fall, but then I'd lose out on a first-round pick. I think it's way more likely that Chase and Pitts are off the board, and then you don't have either guy or an extra first-round pick to work with in 2022. You could right now, again, have the guy you were going to get at six and have an extra first-round pick now. So I think that logic is pretty sound, but... At the same time, to play devil's advocate to myself, I will say that I think once you saw San Francisco move up to that third overall pick, it could have been different because now you're guaranteed to have three quarterbacks go in the top three. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but likely it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then either Trey Lance or Justin Fields, right? And so then all you have is two more picks with Kyle Pitts and Chase, uh, Jamar Chase still left. So would both Atlanta and Cincinnati take one? Again, it's very likely, and Howie Roseman should not risk that. I think he he made the right move not risking that possibility and then losing out on an extra first-round pick. But at the same time, there was still a chance the Eagles could get one because either one of those teams, Atlanta or Cincy, sure, they could have both took Chase or Pitts, but they also both could really justifiably so take Penny Sewell. Atlanta could have took a quarterback themselves like Trey Lance or a team could have, you know, like the Carolina Panthers or the Denver Broncos or the New England Patriots, one of those teams could have moved up to four or five to take their quarterback, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, whoever they thought they wanted. So I think there was a chance that they could still get one of those guys, but I do think Howie Roseman was right to really kind of be realistic about it, about Jamar Chase's value And just not, look, if you're being offered a fourth round pick to move down, that's a different story. Then I'll take my chances and try to get Chase. But Miami offered you an extra first round pick to move up six spots. You take that. I'd rather have a first round pick in Devontae Smith than 
no extra first round pick next year and only Jamar Chase. So that's kind of where I stand with that report. And at the same time, too, like some people might say, well, one of them could have been available, but the Eagles might not have wanted Kyle Pitts. They might have only wanted Jamar Chase. So maybe there was still a chance Kyle Pitts fell to six, but at Philadelphia, it seems like they recognized they didn't believe that they came to the conclusion, I should say, that Jamar Chase was not going to be there at six. So it might not have mattered to them if Kyle Pitts was going to be there because Jamar Chase was the guy that was worth a pick to them. For Pitts, it's like, no, we'd rather move down, collect whatever pick we can get, and then take, you know, again, J.C. Horn, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, somebody like that. So we're at pick 12 now. What can we do with the extra draft picks that the Eagles have in this draft class? And now moving down the board, it's different prospects. You know, you consistently heard us take quarterbacks, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, in these mock draft Mondays, but today it's going to be different. Let's see what I do here with my draft class in segment two, and then what Gino does in segment three. That's coming up next right here on Mock Draft Monday on Locked on Eagles. This episode of Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on Eagles podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, March Madness, and college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKDOWN. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, welcome back into Mock Draft Monday right here on the Locked On Eagles podcast. Be sure after the show to get all your sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Locked On Green Bay Packers host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. So on today's edition of Mock Draft Monday, it's Mock versus Mock. So I'm going to give you a seven-round mock draft that I did earlier today right here in segment two. I'm going to recap all of my picks, and then Gino is going to do the same in segment three. And we want to hear which draft class you like better. Again, hit us up on Twitter, at LockdownBirds, at DBIASILOE, and at GC24 underscore football. Mock versus Mock starts with me here. My draft has a theme to it, and it's kind of a theme that I hinted at in segment one, right when I talked about the Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, the Atlanta Falcons, the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, all of those teams have two, three, four really good pass catchers Even if it's at wide receiver, if they had two top-tier guys, they did not stop there. And so that's kind of the theme of my draft here for the Eagles at multiple positions. It's really, the theme is double-dipping. And the way the board fell in the first round with four quarterbacks going in the top 10, I wish Mac Jones went two to push another guy down for us because I think there are eight really good prospects outside of the quarterback. So I'm okay with the Eagles moving down to 12 because I think there are eight guys that there's at least one that will fall that I'm very comfortable with. There could be even an extra one. There could be nine if, once again, Mac Jones does go in the top 11 as well. So the way the board fell, it allowed me to really start up this double-dipping strategy. 
Both NFC East rivals that were in front of us, though, the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants, did steal the cornerbacks that the Eagles might want in Patrick Sertan of Alabama and J.C. Horn of South Carolina. Jalen Waddell goes to the Detroit Lions, but falling to us at pick 12 was Heisman winner, Alabama wide receiver, Devontae Smith. And to me, that is an easy pick. Like, if if it's between Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, that's a conversation. I'd probably rather have Waddle. If it's between Devontae Smith or Patrick Sertan slash J.C. Horn, okay, that's a real conversation. But if Devontae is the one that falls here, that's just too good a value to pass up. To move down, collect an extra first-round pick, and still get a Heisman winner at 12, that's a steal. Again, I'd rather have Devontae Smith in a first than just Jamar Chase. Some people are worried about Devontae's 170-pound stature, that frame, that skinny frame. I am not really worried about it. There's not a lot of guys that are 170 or under that really thrive at this position, right? There are some, a couple outliers, but primarily there's not a lot of guys that make it at this size. But I think, like Deshaun Jackson, like somebody that's more of a reasonable comparison, Chad Johnson slash Ocho Cinco, like those guys, Devontae Smith will be an outlier. Because while he may be light, being as long as he is, like, you guys look at him, right? The reason I call him Slim Reaper, too, is because he looks like Kevin Durant. Yeah, he is skinny as hell. But his wingspan, I mean, it's, it looks like his arms are going to touch the ground when he's standing up straight. It's like he has a seven, eight-foot wingspan. It looks like his arms, like, it's his, you know, skinny body. But then you put Giannis Antetokounmpo or Kevin Durant's arms on him. So that helps make up for that skinny size because cornerbacks are going to struggle to get their hands on him and press coverage. He's going to have leverage when he gets his hand on a corner because he has that length. And also because he's just so good at creating separation when it comes to press coverage, off coverage, on the outside, in the slot. This guy just straight up knows how to get open. Yeah, at Alabama, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, they have elite generational speed. But Devontae Smith has crazy good short area explosiveness, wiggle. He can get open just as good as those two and an elite route runner that was at Alabama as well in Jerry Judy. So he doesn't accelerate as fast as those guys, but he really does build up that speed. He's got the length, and although he's skinny, good luck trying to beat him one-on-one down the field for a jump ball. I mean, he can high point any football and snag it in the air. I was watching that game against LSU when he had that one-handed touchdown in the back of the end zone. And the uh, CBS team, I think that was showing the game, they made up a graphic of when Smith was high-pointing that football, like full extension, his body was at the highest point in his jump. The extension was to the point of where he could have dunked that ball. He was above the rim when he, at the max height of that extension, when he brought that football down. So Devontae Smith, to me, is going to be that outlier that, yeah, he's skinny, but with how good he is with separating, with that speed, again, it's not Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddle speed, but it's Jerry Judy speed. And with that, again, the length and the ability to high point the football, I think he's going to be a damn good wide receiver, and I think he'll be perfect next to Jalen Rager. But I didn't stop right there at wide receiver, ladies and gentlemen. In the second round at pick 37, I went with Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore. I'm kind of doing what I was so jealous that Denver was doing last year, right? They already had Cortland Sutton. You already have a first-round pick in Jalen Rager that you're investing in. But that doesn't stop teams. Like I said, that didn't stop Denver. That shouldn't stop Philly. Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, that might seem like your core. 
I'm going to double dip here and take Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. It's kind of like Jerry Judy. That's your Devontae Smith is your Jerry Judy, that all around wide receiver one that you're going to play at the X position, also sometimes in the slot. Now I want my explosive slot receiver, an undersized guy that can just absolutely scoot. He is my new version of KJ Hamler. That's Elijah Moore, who I'm pairing up with Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager. Because again, Moore is similar to Hamler where you can have Rager at the Z, you can have Smith at the X, and let Moore eat inside at the slot position. He ran a 4-3 last week at his pro day, and you just watch the film. Like, he tore up SEC secondaries in man coverage. This guy is thriving in creating separation, run after the catchability, and you pair up now Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Elijah Moore, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders, you're going to find out real quick if Jalen Hurts can win you football games. And if not, whoever the quarterback is in 2022 has a really good young support system here, and you're starting that with Smith and Moore with these first two picks. I don't stop double-dipping there, though. With my two third-round picks at pick 70 and 84, I went with two cornerbacks because ideally you want a corner in the first two rounds because you desperately need one. Uh, Outside of Darius Slay, you have nothing at the cornerback position. And meanwhile, the NFC East has, in Washington, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. In Dallas, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper. In New York, Kenny Galladay and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley and Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. Like, the NFC East has a lot of weapons. So Darius Slay can't do it all on his own. So you need cornerback help. But again, it was just the value of Smith and Moore was too good to pass on. And I like a lot of those third-round cornerbacks. Two of them I went with Georgia cornerback Tyson Campbell and Stanford quarterback Paulson Adebo. Outside of, I would say, Asante Samuel, Tyson Campbell might be my favorite day two defensive back. And again, the Eagles desperately need cornerback help, both long-term and short-term. Campbell, I think, can be an outside starter right away. And the question is, though, can the Eagles finally get, Gino did a whole podcast on this the other day, can the Eagles finally get wide receiver and cornerback right on day two? We're going to find out here with Elijah Moore, with Tyson Campbell, and with Paulson Adebo. It didn't work out with Sidney Jones and with Razul Douglas in 2017 when Howie double-dipped in the second and third round at cornerback, but I think with Tyson Campbell and Paulson Adebo, it could work. Campbell is a more well-rounded corner, but Adebo, the reason I picked Adebo is I'm looking for turnovers this year on defense, right? I'm looking for interceptions. Jonathan Gannon will help that at defensive coordinator. Anthony Harris is a safety that a couple years ago led the league in interceptions. So those are two key additions to help the turnover battle here for the Birds in 2021. I'm going to add to that with Paulson Adebo, who in 2018 and in 2019 had four interceptions in back-to-back years. So he had eight picks in a two-year span, and then last year he did not play at Stanford due to the pandemic. So I think Adebo, Campbell, they can fit in any scheme, man or zone coverage, and you need a young future corner because Darius Slay, he's still only 29 years old, but... You have no idea what you have beyond 2021. And even if you have Darius Slay for the long term, like I said with the NFL, with how many teams have two, three, four great pass catchers, you need multiple cornerbacks that can cover inside and out. And I think Campbell and Adebo can be those guys. So my first four picks, Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith, Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore, Georgia cornerback Tyson Campbell, and Stanford cornerback Paulson Adebo. Let's go to day three now to wrap up my edition of Mock versus Mock. In round four, pick 123, I went with a developmental but upside-driven pass rusher from Oregon State in Hamilcar Rashid Jr. 
This is a guy that can sit behind Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, and Derek Barnett and learn how to play the defensive end position. He mostly played stand-up outside linebacker at Oregon State, but he has the build and the athleticism to really do anything at the next level. And he had 14 sacks last year and led the country in tackles for a loss. So Hamilcar Rashid Jr. I think is really good value here at pick 123. And you know the Eagles love to take pass rushers in the first four rounds, and they're not going to stop in 2021. Round five, pick 150, I went with Texas safety Caden Stearns, a versatile safety that thrives in man coverage and playing deep. He's not the best when it comes to run defense, but that's what you have Anthony Harris for, one of the most efficient tackling safeties of the last five years, and also Rodney McLeod when he comes back off of that serious leg injury. He will probably start on the PUP, but Rodney McLeod will play this year. So although you have McLeod, Anthony Harris, Kayvon Wallace, like cornerback, you need long-term pieces at safety. And I think Texas safety Caden Stearns, although he's a fifth-round pick here, he could, he could be a piece to the puzzle. Round six, pick 189, 224, and 225. I went with Cal linebacker Kuoni Dang, Michigan running back Chris Evans, and Florida State defensive end Joshua Kando. So uh, Kuone Dang, the linebacker from Cal, he's raw, kind of like Davian Taylor last year, but there's a lot of physical gifts there to develop behind Alex Singleton, Davian Taylor, TJ Edwards as well, and hopefully a veteran. So I think that's good value there. And then I want another running back to pair up behind Miles Sanders with Boston Scott. Chris Evans hasn't really been a top-tier running back for a couple years due to the suspension in 2019 and the pandemic, but he's got all the tools. Again, this is the late rounds. This is when I, at least as a GM, start to look for upside in Kuone Dang, in Chris Evans, and then also Joshua Kando again. I know I already took a pass rusher in Hamilcar Rashid Jr., but Joshua Kando can play inside and out, kind of like a Charles Menehue type of comparison here where he's 6'7", I think like 260, 70 pounds, seven-foot wingspan, dealt with some injuries, doesn't have the most well-rounded pass rush moves yet. But again, just give me that kind of upside and let me mold that behind a lot of the starters that I already have. Kando and uh, Hamilcar Rashid Jr., these are guys that can sit behind four or five starters and learn how to play the position and then maybe be your Josh Sweat where in year two or year three, that's when he starts to really get to the quarterback. All right, let's wrap up this draft in round seven with pick 234 and 240. I went with Pittsburgh center Jimmy Morrissey and Iowa tight end Sean Beyer. Morrissey is actually a good pick here. He won the Burlesworth Trophy for the most outstanding college player that started as a walk-on. So he was a walk-on, but then he was a four-year starter at Pitt, a three-time All-ACC selection. And the good thing is he played center outside of one game in four years where he played guard. And again, Jason Kelsey... He's going to be back for 2021, but this is a year-by-year thing now with number 62. Is he going to be back in 2022? There's no guarantees. It's, again, a year-by-year thing now, so they need to find his replacement. Could that already be on the roster with Isaac Sayamalu? For sure, but you definitely want to pick another center for depth, and I think Jimmy Morrissey is a really good value pick here in round seven. And then Sean Beyer at tight end. Who knows if Zach Ertz is going to be on this team or not, but you could use a third tight end and. Bayer was an athlete that Iowa kind of turned into a tight end, as they normally do. And that's why I like this pick, because we know that Iowa knows how to make tight ends work at the next level. George Kittle, Noah Font, TJ Hawkinson. Let's dip our hands in the Iowa tight end pool with Sean Bayer to go behind Dallas Goddard and then potentially either Zach Ertz 
or Richard Rogers. So that's going to do it for my mock versus mock mock draft seven rounds. Let's recap those picks one more time before we get to Gino. It's wide receiver from Alabama, Devontae Smith, Ole Miss wide receiver, Elijah Moore, Georgia cornerback, Tyson Campbell, Stanford cornerback, Paulson Adebo. Then in day three, I went with Oregon State defensive end, Hamilcar Rashid Jr., Texas safety, Caden Stearns, Cal linebacker, Kuone Dang. And then with my final picks, I went with Michigan running back, Chris Evans, and Florida State defensive end, Joshua Kando. And then in round seven, Pittsburgh center, Jimmy Morrissey, and Iowa tight end, Sean Beyer. Up next, here comes Geno's seven-round mock draft right here on Locked on Eagles. Guys, today's edition of Mock Draft Monday is sponsored by Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's time for Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is caramel brownie versus coconut brownie chunk. Go to builtbar.com or on Twitter at bar underscore built to vote. And remember, while you're at builtbar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Once again, that's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, everyone, you have heard lose mock draft as we battle here on mock draft Monday. Time for the real GM. GMGC, GM Gino Camilleri taking the place of Howie Roseman here in our battle of the mock drafts. We are starting out at pick 240. We're going to work our way backwards here. I want the suspense to build. Pick 240, interior offensive lineman, Tristan Hogue, one of my personal favorites on here. I really think that he is a guy you can get on day three that could be one of those rotational guys for you on the interior. You don't know what's going on with Kelsey. If Kelsey does retire, you're probably going to have to move Isaac Sayamalu to center or Nate Herbig. But hey, why not bring in Tristan Hogue, somebody who's played a lot of offensive line, get him in that rotation. Pick 234, edge rusher, Teron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina, another one of my personal favorites in this class. Absolute specimen of an athlete coming off the edge. He is a guy that can win versus the run, win coming off the edge with speed and power, a guy that has all the traits, and if he's there late on day three, you take him 10 times out of 10. Pick 225, I went cornerback DJ Daniel. This was the second cornerback I took in this class, and you'll see who the first one was, and I think a lot of you will be excited. But DJ Daniel, one of the better defensive backs coming out of Georgia this year, there are a lot of them, has all the physical size, the physicality at the line of scrimmage. His feet are a touch slow, but if you get him against those power forward type guys like a Michael Gallup of sorts, I think he would be a nice addition to have in there in a rotation at cornerback. Pick 224 right before 225, went with offensive tackle. Talk about specimens, literally six foot eight. Saw this guy in person at the College Gridiron Showcase in Dallas this year. Offensive tackle, Greg Island. The Eagles had talked to him at CGS. He is somebody that is on their radar. I can see them drafting multiple offensive linemen. Once again, they do it every single year, so it just seems inevitable. I don't see them doing it in day one or day two. Day three is really where you're going to have a guy that Stout falls in love with based on his size. An island, I could feel, would be that guy. He has all the traits, very raw, but who better to bring him into a system than to be with Jeff Stoutland? So Greg Island at 224, pick 189, Matt Bushman, tight end. You might see him 
down the boards on most of these mock draft sites, but Matt Bushman has all of the traits to be a top-end tight end. He has elite size. He has elite movability. He isn't going to be a hand-in-the-dirt type of guy. He is going to be your number three type of move receiver, or he can be a number two that goes in behind Dallas Goddard. Bushman is a guy that is flying up boards as of late. Don't sleep on Matt Bushman. I think he could be a real surprise for the Eagles, who do have a need at tight end. Even if they don't move on from Zach Ertz, they have a need going forward after this year. So why not grab another one in Matt Bushman, who is very good in his own right. Moving to pick 150, about halfway through this battle of the mocks here. I went with running back Chubba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State. You look at that position right now, and past Miles Sanders, there's no surefire things right now. Boston Scott is there. You don't know if he is going to be up to the athleticism of the last two years and running backs. We know how quickly that athleticism can drop off, but you always have to plan ahead. Chubba would fill a big need for you. A guy that can do those inside zones, really pick up those dirty yards for you behind this offensive line. He's six foot tall, 200 plus pounds. He is everything that Miles Sanders isn't. So he would be a great compliment to throw in there. Moving to the important part of the draft here, the top part of the draft, starting at pick 123. The second of the receivers that I had drafted, Frank Darby out of Arizona State. You'll see why I went with Darby here. This team has a need for a receiver that is over six foot tall. Yes, they have JJ, but you don't know what he's going to be. Dell Scotter is arguably the tallest guy that you have there. You need somebody that has the size and has been productive. Yes, you have Travis Fulham, but Frank Darby is a guy who played at Arizona State with a multitude of different wide uh, quarterbacks there, excuse me, in a system with a bunch of wide receivers who had been drafted and seems to be the guy that people forget about when it comes to this draft. But Darby has elite hands his his hands are like the claw game when you go and get one of those stuffed animals anything that comes his way he is catching bigger body guy wins with his leverage is going to be that 50 50 catch type guy for you because you added athleticism at the top of this draft and last year's draft and you'll see why moving to day two of the draft here pick 84 i went with quincy roche edge rusher out of miami will be one of the three edge rushers from miami selected this year Quincy, one of my favorites. I keep saying this. This is a big me, my guys type draft right here. Quincy Roche, out of all the three guys, plays the run the best out of all those Miami edges. He isn't the most flashy guy when it comes to getting off the edge, but he fits what the Eagles like at edge rusher. High motor, can play inside, can play versus the run, checks every single box when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Quincy Roche, edge rusher at pick 84. Moving to the final three picks here. These are the big ones, folks, the ones that really make this draft count. At pick 70, I went safety slash nickel slash defensive back, whatever you want to call him, Richie Grant out of the University of Central Florida. He's being mocked as some people's top safety right now, even a round one guy. Seeing that Darnell Savage type rise that we saw a couple years ago, somebody that has that versatility to play all over the board, the Eagles need that in the worst way possible. You're going to need multiple defensive backs in this class to come in just to compete, and you're going to need high-end guys moving forward. And Richie Grant really fills a lot of those needs for you. Not only do you have a nickel safety that you can move into the slot, play him against bigger tight ends, somebody that can hang in the back, play single high for you, has top-end athleticism, really somebody that 
if he's not on your radar by now, you're missing out on the fun of this guy's tape. He's all over the field. We talked about a guy a couple episodes ago in JC Horn, who you could really move all over the field and match up a guy, match up against tight ends, match up against wide receivers. And Richie Grant does that for you as well. Two picks remaining here. I'm sure you're thinking, okay, you said you had two cornerbacks and two wide receivers. So what are we going to do here? You might think we went with cornerback here, but no, we went with wide receiver, Kadarius Toney. And now you see why I went with Frank Darby down the line because Kadarius, though he's only a couple inches shorter than Frank Darby, plays to a completely different style of what Frank Darby does. Kadarius Toney is that get the ball in space, get the yards after the catch, just give the guy the football and he will make things happen. His ankles and his ability to bend his knees to change direction it literally looks like they're going to snap at any second, and he just has the flexibility to get it all done for you. Somebody that has played SEC ball, went against top-end cornerbacks on the other end, went against top-end defenses, and still succeeded. He would add more athleticism to your already athletic room with Jalen Rager, with John Hightower, with Quez Watkins, and now Kadarius Tony. Man, you're going to have some versatility to get that ball out quick get guys in space and really allow them to do what they do well with their athleticism. And I'm looking forward to that. If you do add Kadarius Tony to that already athletic room, it's going to be fun for whoever the quarterback is there. And especially Jalen hurts who likes to get that ball out quickly. It'll be nice for him to settle, get the ball out quick and just let his wide receivers do a lot of the work moving to the first and last pick here, because we worked backwards from pick two forty to pick 12 and You might have thought I was only talking about J.C. Horn in the past. I'm talking about him in the present right here. And I kind of gave you a little smokescreen saying that we talked about him a couple episodes ago. And we're going to talk about him today, too. Because with Richie Grant and J.C. Horn, you now open up the versatility at your back end to play against all of these wide receivers that are in this division. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. I mean, do I have to name the rest? You're probably already shaking in your boots as as badly as I am right now. You need people to defend them. J.C. Horn, son of a former Horn in the NFL. I'm sure you remember him picking up the cell phone back when it was uh, one of the first cell phones, a flip phone out from under the pylon. Joe Horn is his father, comes from a football family, played SEC football, lined him up all over the field, matched up against Kyle Pitts, matched up against some of these elite wide receivers down in the SEC, has the athleticism, jumped out of the building in his pro day, and really could be the benefactor of the Eagles moving from 6 to 12. And I would love if he's able to make it past Dallas and the New York Giants to make it to the Philadelphia Eagles. So just running through it again, pick 12, J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina, pick 37, Kadarius Toney, wide receiver out of Florida, pick 70, Richie Grant, defensive back out of the University of Central Florida, pick 84, edge rusher Quincy Roche out of the University of Miami, Florida, pick 123, wide receiver Frank Darby, Arizona State, pick 150, Chubba Hubbard, running back, OK State, Pick 189, tight end Matt Bushman out of BYU. Pick 224, Greg Island, offensive tackle, Mississippi State. 225, DJ Daniel, cornerback, Georgia. 
234, Teron Jackson, edge rusher, Coastal Carolina. And finally, pick 240, Tristan Hogue, interior offensive lineman out of BYU. So that'll do it for me, GM Gino Camilleri here on this edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Thank you guys for listening into the Battle of the Mocks here. Hopefully you guys pick me because I do think I edged out Lou in this one. We will be back next week and hopefully we'll be collaborating. But here, make sure you pick GMGC for the winner of this Battle of the Mock Drafts edition. And let us know what you guys think about it, because I think this one is pretty good. And if the Eagles walked away with this class come a month from now, I'll be very happy. So thank you guys for downloading, listening, and have a good one, my friends. Fly, Eagles, fly.